This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Wednesday the 22nd of March. In your Squiz today, the vaping risk for young Aussies, a fraud case wraps up, Trump protesters put police on alert, and a spectacular spud update. This is your Squiz today. The topic of vaping, also known as e-cigarettes, has been making news now for several years as it's taken off both in Oz and around the world, Claire. There's been a lot of discussions around the health ramifications and whether or not it's worse than traditional forms of smoking. And yesterday, a new Australian study was released. It had some pretty concerning stats in it. It says the rise of vaping amongst younger Aussies could lead to more cigarette smokers in future. It says that there's strong evidence that young people who use vapes are three times more likely to progress to smoking cigarettes compared to their peers who don't vape. Uh, And it goes into some other numbers about smoking vapes in Australia. The number of people vaping doubled between 2016 and 2019. uh, And a New South Wales survey uh, found that nearly a third of 16 to 24-year-olds had vaped by the end of 2021, and that's up 15% on the previous three years. So although it's still a relatively small number compared to traditional smokers, the experts say that it continues to rise quite steeply. And Professor Emily Banks, who was one of the authors on that study from the Australian National University, says that that's a problem. She reckons young people are especially vulnerable to developing a vaping addiction given their brains are still developing and they're particularly susceptible to a very well-known chemical that's in many vapes. She says almost all e-cigarettes deliver nicotine, which is extremely addictive. Banks says that vapes contain a complex cocktail of chemicals, and although they're aware of some of the risks from vaping, there are still a lot of questions about links to things like cancer and cardiovascular disease. And the study has also found that most young people who smoke vapes aren't actually doing it as a way to transition off smoking regular cigarettes. Instead, the research says that people who vape also tend to smoke cigarettes. So all of this has led to fresh calls for regulators to bolster the existing laws around the sales of vaping products. Currently, the Australian law allows for the sale of nicotine e-cigarettes, but only with a prescription. And medical experts say the government should step up those restrictions to make it even more difficult to get these products. Professor Steve Robson from the Australian Medical Association says that vaping isn't safe and is not a part of tobacco control. Claire, the Therapeutic Goods Administration is set to give its latest recommendations to the government on how vaping laws should be changed in Oz this week, so stay tuned. An 11-month trial for one of Australia's largest tax fraud cases wrapped up in the New South Wales Supreme Court yesterday, but not before a fifth defendant was found guilty. 
Yeah, his name is Patrick Wilmot. Uh, He was found guilty and he joins the siblings, Adam and Lauren Cranston. Those two are the children of former tax office deputy commissioner Michael Cranston, but he wasn't accused of any wrongdoing, just to be clear. Uh, Just to recap for anyone who hasn't followed it very closely, there was a lawyer, Dev Menon, uh, also Jason Olney. They were the remaining two who were found guilty of defrauding the tax office of $105 million. As you say, one of the biggest cases in the country in our history. Mm. Uh, Between 2014 and 2017, the group used a legitimate company called Plutus Payroll. It collected wages from employers and then sent tax payments that should have gone to the ATO to other companies that had dummy directors. And they were found to have spent the money on some fairly extravagant purchases like boats and planes, but it all came to an end when the scam was uncovered by the federal police. Yesterday, Justice Anthony Payne thanked the jurors for their long service for the case. He said they'd be exempt from jury duty for the next 20 years. We talked on Monday about former US President Donald Trump's prediction that he would be arrested today, Claire. The New York grand jury hearing appears to have wrapped up with reports saying it heard from the final witnesses on Monday. And from that process, Trump could be charged with falsifying business records and campaign finance violations. And Alice could is the main word. Mm. It's still all very speculative. This has to do with hush money that Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, paid to women who claimed that they had affairs with Donald Trump. Uh, Since Trump's arrest prediction was made on the weekend, there's been a lot of commentary about a potential prosecution. Uh, And what the reports say is that even advocates for the prosecution acknowledge that it's not a clear-cut case. And what isn't speculation on this is the call to action that Trump has issued to his social media followers. He wants them to take to the streets and protest. Police in New York are on alert and prosecutors say they won't be intimidated by Trump or his supporters. A message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP. Claire, I know potatoes are very close to your heart, so I know you've been feeling the pressure of the chip shortage that has cast a very dark cloud over the nation for several months. But there is relief on the way. Potato harvests are underway in Victoria, Tassie and South Oz, and chip factories are working at full capacity. Alice, I appreciate that you know that this is a very serious issue and that it's been a very (laughs) tough few months. Uh, If you've tried to buy frozen chips from the supermarket or if you've looked to dive into some uh, from your local takeaway or the pub or a restaurant, uh, they might not have been as plentiful as you might like. Certainly they haven't (laughs) been for me. Uh, That's because there have been very poor potato harvests in Australia uh, and New Zealand in the last bit of time. That's after extreme 
extreme wet weather. Of course, we talked a lot about rain last year uh, and into early this year. Uh, And of course, we weren't able to import much and that's because there were drought conditions in the Northern Hemisphere uh, turned into a chip crisis. Uh, (laughs) In the short term, though, chips will be back. uh, But very sadly, it's not the end of it. Yes, very sadly. The industry is warning that another chip shortage could be on the horizon in 2024 with lower potato yields expected this year here and overseas. So it's probably a good time to stock up on your frozen chips when they become available if they are your favourite thing. Yeah, I'm making room in the freezer as we speak. Squeeze the day, Claire. What's on the calendar for today? There's about 1.8 billion Muslims in the world and many will start fasting today from sunup to sundown for a month and that's because it's Ramadan. Yeah, Ramadan Mubarak to listeners who start today. And Claire, the latest edition of How Far We've Come is also out today. Yeah, I should be getting you to talk about this because you're the voice (laughs) behind it. But look, it's our series with NGS Super about women's financial freedoms and this week is about the Commonwealth marriage bar. Uh, my mum was one of thousands of Aussie women who were forced to resign when they got married from their public service jobs. So it's a look at that and also at the lingering effect on uh, participation in the workforce and earnings. Yeah, it's a really good one if I do say so myself. <laughs> you can say so yourself. <laughs> and that wraps us up today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.